everybody, and welcome back to the Kelly Green Hour. I'm your host, LJ Harrell, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Connor Donald. Connor, I know it's been a while, but uh, we're, we're getting closer and closer to training camp for the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, I, I love it. I mean, seeing the OTAs, and I know you don't take a whole lot out of it, but just hearing about the, you know, the left tackle competition, seeing Devonta Smith out there, hearing all the good things about Nick Sirianni. I walked, I listened to a podcast just the other day um, from Eagles uh, un, Undisputed, or I think they're called, and uh, they uh, and Ed Cracks was talking to uh, Brian Baldinger, and they just so much praise for the rookie class so much praise for Nick Sirianni so far and the energy he brings and John Gannon um there's just so much to get excited about I mean like do I expect anything better than a nine and eight season no but but there's things to get excited about for the future so I'm I'm pumped to to really see this uh, off season kick into high gear yeah definitely and seeing Devontae Smith and Eagles green is awesome I mean all last season and during the college football season as being as I'm an Alabama fan every week every time Devontae Smith did something I'm you know tagging the Eagles in a, in a post on Twitter saying Eagles draft this guy and I'm glad that they were able to jump ahead of the uh, New York Giants to do so and Giants fans still butthurt over you know the Eagles not or Eagles tanking week 17 last year Eagles jumping over them to get um Devontae Smith and the Giants wanting to face the Eagles week one, uh, blah, blah, blah. Who cares about the Giants? Giants aren't a good football team anyway. So, you know, we'll worry about that when we get there. Um, but before we get started, I just want to remind everybody, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. You can follow Connor on Twitter at Connor10. And you can follow me on Twitter at LJHorrell54. And as always, please rate and review our show wherever you are listening to us. Um, you know, as we get to closer to training camp, and we get into the preseason and regular season, you know, we're going to be doing more of a week, weekly shows, um, which we cannot wait, you know, to get things started in this new world of the NFL where it's eight, a 17-game schedule, which is only going to last for maybe five years because they, they're already talking about an 18-game schedule. So uh, we, we can't wait to get ready for September 12th, 2021 in Atlanta, as the Eagles and Falcons open the season against each other. So, Connor, since the last time we've spoke, the Eagles signed Ryan Kerrigan, of all people. And we know how much of a of a menace he was against the Eagles. And I think it was two or three years ago. Um, actually, it might have been 2016 when Lane Johnson was suspended for the first two games. And I think it was Vitae at right tackle. And Kerrigan went out and – I had to have had like five it felt like 10 sacks but it was probably more like four or five sacks but he was a menace the battles that Kerrigan and Lane Johnson had against each other were reminiscent of Michael Strahan and uh John Runyon from the Eagle, the old Eagles Giants route like those battles were awesome and that's going to be a nice battle to watch during training camp when they get to go up against each other they could pick each other's brains just to see you know, Lane Johnson can figure out what he was doing, if he was overstepping, if he was given any signs. And Ryan Kerrigan could talk to, to Lane Johnson and, and see if he was given signs. If, if, you know, Johnson knew what was coming, how did he know? And I think that's great when you have an opportunity to pick somebody, pick somebody's brain like that, that, you go, that you've gone up against for 10 years. Yeah, definitely. I, I think, you know what, I think it's actually a really good move. I mean, 
the defensive end position is going to have a lot of turmoil over the next couple of years because we got Josh Sweat's a free agent this year, Derek Barnett's a free agent this year, and uh, Brandon Graham's a free agent at the end of this year as well. But Brandon Graham, I mean, you can only restructure and re-sign him so much because we are we're so buried deep in dead cap money, just like Jason Kelsey, that... I mean, eventually you have to say enough's enough and you bur you cut you know, you cut the bridge off and you, you pay you you eat all that dead money and move on from it. And I mean, as much as I love Brandon Graham, I mean he's not getting any younger, but as long as his plays up there it's okay. But the fifteen million dead that'll turn into like twenty two or twenty three million dead with another restructure is just starting to really hurt the future. When you look down, but I, I mean, Josh Sweat's like definitely getting a new contract. Derek Barnett, that's up for debate. But I mean, we got some in, intriguing picks this year. I know that Patrick Johnson's being listed as a linebacker, but he could be a stand-up edge on the outside as well. And we drafted him in the seventh round, and there's a ton of praise for him. Um, and then there's Taron Jackson, who we drafted in the sixth round. Um, there's a lot, I mean, he's not really, he doesn't really have edge or tackle size. He's got more linebacker size. Um, but I mean, there's some young guys that they want to, that they're putting the right people in front of them to teach them and to create the right set, the create the right competition to bring the best out of all of them. And I think the Ryan Kerrigan move was just a, what an opportunity to get this guy out of bargain and to add him to, uh, defensive edge room that they really got to figure out what they have in it and what they plan to do with it going forward after this year. Yeah, I agree. And it's kind of like the Chris Long signing from 2017. Um, You know, you bring in a vet, somebody that, you know, you're not really expecting to go out there and play 75, 80% of the snaps, but somebody that you'll be able to trust to go out there and make plays, rush the quarterback, you know, create some turnovers here and there. Because that's the one thing the Eagles didn't do last year very well they didn't create turnovers great and that's something they're going to need to do whether it's the defensive line whether it's the the secondary something's going to have to happen to where the Philadelphia Eagles give the offense a short field and you know help them out the the corners last year had what two interceptions all year I know Slay had one Uh, I can't even think of anybody else like any of the corners that that had one last year so we're going to have to see a different type of defense. You know, you're obviously, you know, they were second or third in the league in sacks. We know that they can get after the quarterback, but they have to start creating turnovers. And that's going to start up front because if the quicker you get to the quarterback, you can force them to throw the ball up and, you know, before a receiver is ready while they're in their route. And that can help the corners. Cause we know we have Darius Slay, but we're still, we still have a question mark as the, the second uh, corner, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But, but I think having the likes of a Fletcher Cox, a Brandon Graham, a, a, a Hargraves, a Ryan Kerrigan, a Josh Sweat. I'm not a big Derek Barnett fan, as you know, but he's going to be here unless they trade him. Um, you know, and, I, uh, you know, putting all these. It, it's not going to be like 2017 where they had, you know, um, the starters and then a, 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 the second four could have started on half the teams in the league. It's not going to be that good, but they need to have that depth. And I think that they're going to have it, you know, as long as everybody stays healthy. Yeah. I mean, one thing that I think goes often understated is how good of a draft 
how he had along the defensive line. Like, I know that the Milton Williams pick shocked people, but I mean, if you listen to people who know a lot better than us and a lot better than Eagles Twitter about these players, he gets some ridiculous praise. Like, I have not yet to hear much negative when it comes to the Milton Williams pick. It's just yeah. somebody we didn't know the name. We, all of Eagles Twitter, all of us had other names on the board, and we were like, well, it should be should have been Jabril Cox. It should have been somebody else. There was other names on the board that, that we other all wanted. Other too, yeah. Exactly, and other needs. And, and, I mean, like, so I think that often goes understated, how good of a defensive tackle and edge and versatility class um i'll just shout out my article while i have the chance i did a welcome to philly series i did the offensive picks and then i did the defensive picks the defensive picks it was just posted four days ago so you can check that out at sportstalkphilly.com um and i talked about it milton williams is a good pick and marlon tupolito is definitely someone who's going under the radar like he's not gonna flash he's not sexy he's really raw but he can be an extremely good like third tackle when you need somebody or third or fourth tackle when you need someone to step in and give Fletcher Cox a break or give Javon Hargrave a break because we know that Fletcher Cox was at his very best when he didn't play you know 90% of the snaps the year that we won the Super Bowl he got the opportunity to frequently rest because we had a pretty solid defensive line from a depth situation and last year that depth was just shattered we had almost no depth the edges had some depth but injuries just depleted the tackle position and that forced Fletcher Cox to play a lot more than we're probably comfortable with because yeah he's he's a cornerstone of that defensive line but he going over the age of 30 he needs some time off the field like the guy if he's playing 65 70 percent of the snaps a game that's all you need if you can throw out Hassan Ridgeway or Milton Williams this year or Marilyn Tupolito then you can give him the adequate time off for him to be a maximum top performer and I think that goes the same with Javon Hargrave who may be a bit younger but we have to remember those front four get banged up and beat up often because it's just a bunch of 300 pound men just banging up against each other and pushing each other out of the way and that's just not something that the human body's meant to do so like you need to get maximize the time that you can get them off the field and last year we saw it that tackle depth was just not enough i agree and the one thing that i think they prioritized in this draft as you mentioned was versatility you know jacoby stevens was a was a safety at lsu they drafted him to be a quote-unquote linebacker, but he could be that Malcolm Jenkins hybrid. I'm not saying he's going to be Malcolm Jenkins, but he could probably play you know, the linebacker position where he's going to cover a tight end, or if he had to play safety, he would be able to play safety. You mentioned Patrick Johnson was a defensive end in college. They, they have him as a linebacker. Milton Williams, primarily a defensive tackle, but I think he could play both inside and outside if you want to go kind of like a NASCAR package. Um, Teron Jackson probably could play a little inside and outside if you wanted to go um nascar package so you know just the versatility of the guys that they drafted um obviously i would have preferred you know draft a somebody who's played the linebacker position um instead of trying to convert like they did with nate gary because we saw how well that went good luck niners i think that's where he's at with that but you know um it'll be interesting to see because you know the one thing jonathan gannon has said is like we're gonna fit our defense you know, we're not going to have a, a scheme per se. It's going to be more we'll fit our defense to our players' abilities, and it's going to depend on matchups. 
you know, whatever, you're not going to face the same type of offense every week. So, you know, you're going to have to change it up. So it'll definitely be interesting to see if they stick with that because you can say it, but then when you actually get and start implementing the scheme, it's not always, you know, what, what you said in the off season doesn't always primarily fit what you do during the season. So it'll definitely be, you know, interesting. While we're talking about the defense, though, we know that there are holes. We mentioned the second corner position. Um, as the Eagles are, are, you know, after June 1st, they picked up a couple more million dollars with the um, Jackson, um, Malik Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey releases. They've been signing their draft picks. They got all everybody signed but two in Landon Dickerson and Jacoby Stevens. So they, they have some money, and obviously we're waiting for the Zach Ertz situation to figure out, will he be here, will he go, um, how much money they'll, they'll save on that. But they need to figure out the second corner position. They drafted Zach McPherson. They Obviously he'll have a shot, but I, I've heard he's primarily a, a slot corner. Um, Avante Maddox is not an outside corner. He's, he's a slot corner. I don't care what anybody says. We've seen it. There's a guy out there, a guy that's been courted by – five to ten teams in the league, I believe, Steven Nelson. And there's been a lot of rumors that the obviously the Eagles are one of those teams interested. They have a need. Will it happen is my big question. Um, I think this is going to come down to more of like a highs bidder situation. And the biggest thing for us that's blocking that is we need to figure out the Zach Ertz situation. That situation needs to sort itself out so we know how much can be, you know, that top dollar. Because at this point, even if Howie's like, oh, I want to carry the money over so that we have maximum dollars next season, there's not enough money carrying over, you know? So there's no reason to just say that. You might as well spend right down to the last penny that you can this year. And then next year, you have, it's presently sitting, if it goes all the way up to 210 million, we got like $46 million in cap space. So for the time being, I think you just maximize every penny and every dollar and figure out what you got in the roster, what you're going to use, what you're going to keep, what you're going to need to resign, what you can let go of and steven nelson is someone who i think he's 29 20 or 29 like he's not even that old but people may perceive him to be a lot older than he is um and he he's played outside corner he he's like i see a lot of misconception that oh he's played a lot of slot or he's a better slot or better inside no he he play he's played like 80 percent of his time on the on the outside so i mean he'd be huge i even posted a tweet on our uh on the at kelly green our twitter account saying that he would have been by yards per reception our second best cornerback and that's behind i think it was cravon leblanc based on yards per reception, but Craven LeBlanc, of course, plays inside, so it's a whole different game compared to outside. But, like, the guys who did play majority of time outside, Michael Jaquette, uh, Avante Maddox, got burned, burned. Like, we're talking, like, over 15 yards per reception allowed. And I think yeah, Jaquette people... was, in his two starts, he was good he against destroyed. Arizona. He was good against Arizona, but against Dallas, that didn't go so well. No, exactly. You saw when he had to play true skill, like when it was a team that was more than one wide receiver deep, like, you know, in Arizona, it's DeAndre Hopkins and then somebody could, any given person could go off any given night for them, but there wasn't a true, you know, wide receiver too. Um, But like the circumstance there is just like, keep the play in front of you. Often people want to see interceptions. They want to see pass breakups and that's it. But they forget that the idea of a cornerback can also be keep the play in front of you. 
keep it in front of the sticks. Don't give up that first down. Make the stop. Make the tackle. And we've just been burned so often by guys like... There's a difference, I think, in Zach McPherson that I see that isn't in the usual prototypical Howie Roseman outside corner stereotype. Rasul Douglas, Avante Maddox being two really great examples. Zach McPherson has an athletic profile. Rasul Douglas and Avante Maddox absolutely did not. They were undersized and did not have the athletic profile. The That's what Zach McPherson has going for him. And yes, he could be an outside cornerback, an undersized cornerback, and his athletic profile helps him to be able to kind of win outside or at least do a little bit of something. He's aggressive. He can, if he falls behind, he can catch up. He's got excellent burst, great acceleration. Um, but at the end of the day, I think we need a true outside corner. And Zach McPherson could be a good rotational outside corner and inside corner, but I just don't know if he's the true answer. And Steven Nelson, a, a long roundabout way of getting at the answer, is definitely the type of person you need. And he's probably the best outside man corner left on the market. But like I said, it's probably going to go to the highest bidder. And as long as Howie wants to get the highest bidder out of the Zach Ertz situation, Steven Nelson will likely land somewhere else that is not Philadelphia. Yeah, Rashad Breeland signed with the Vikings, so it definitely, you know, uh, Steven Nelson is probably the top corner left um, on the market. And, you know, before we switch over to the offense, the one thing I'm definitely looking forward to is not seeing the damn sticks defense on third and long. I think, mm-hmm. I don't think Gannon's going to do that. I think he'll be a little bit more aggressive than Jim Schwartz was. Now let's move over to the offensive side of the ball. I think the big key for the Eagles, healthy offensive line. Everybody on that offensive line is healthy right now. If they can stay healthy, the Eagles have a chance to, to put points on the board. Um, you have one of the better right sides of the, of the line if they can stay healthy and Lane Johnson and Brandon Brooks, one of the best centers in football in Jason Kelsey, who could presumably be in his last season of his career. Um, and then on that left side is where the question marks come in. Isaac Sayamalu at left guard. Um, as of right now, I th- running with the first team has been uh, Jordan Maialata, which I think we both agree should be. You know, obviously there'll be a battle between Dillard and Maialata, but uh, Maialata played well last year when, when given the opportunity out there at left tackle. So I think he deserves the first shot. Um, so if that offensive front four, front five, excuse me, can stay healthy, you know, they have a shot to move the ball. Um, Landon Dickerson's learning. Now we don't know when he'll be ready, if he'll be ready this year, but he's going to be learning from one of the best in Jason Kelsey. Um, Nate Herbig is also there. He was good when, when put in, when needed to start. Um, Jack Driscoll, I, I like a lot. You know, they have depth across that offensive line right now. You know, some with that front five, they have a top five offensive line with the starters. But when you when you talk about the backups, you have guys that could go in there that have that played a lot last year. You know, and with all the injuries we had, that that's kind of the the blessing in disguise. Is these guys got a lot of playing time. They got a lot of experience at the NFL level. So, you know, and it wasn't preseason. It was legit game action during the regular season. So if needed to go in there, I think the only position which would be a question mark would be center. Um, if Dickerson isn't ready, because our backup center would be, my guess would be moving, say, Amalu to center, maybe. I don't mm-hmm. know. That's that's the big question mark. But the offense has a chance to move the ball. Obviously, there are questions. Zach Ertz, will he be here? Will he? Will he? Will he not? Um, we know Devonte Smith is starting on the outside. 
Uh, Rager's been when practicing at the slot, which I think could be really good for him. Who's the other outside receiver? Brings us to rumor number two, Julio Jones. Obviously, the Eagles have no money, so it's most likely 95 to 99% not going to happen. But obviously, you can never count Howie Roseman out on big moves. What would you have to give? Um, I mean, they want a first-round pick. They're not going to get a first-round pick. They might mm-hmm. get a second-round pick. You know, would you trade the Colts pick for, for Julio if you're able, if, it's a big if, you're able to make the money work? I, I probably would because, you know what, at the end of the day, even if that does to translate into a first-round pick for us instead of a second-round pick, Indy is not, it's not going to be in the top half. It's likely in the bottom half, likely inside the 20s um, for a pick. Um, and then if they if Carson doesn't meet his end of the bargain of playing 75% of the snaps or whatever, then that becomes a second rounder late in the second round. So, I mean, I would definitely be willing to sell that risk. And if you can make the money work, which I think the only way to make the money work is moving a piece as well. And what that piece would be is a big question mark. Like, you'd have to move. Like, they obviously aren't looking at Zach Ertz. They got Hayden Hurst. They got Kyle Pitts. They're obviously not looking at Zach Ertz. But they could, we could maybe swing Derek Barnett or something like that. You'd have to look at something. Andre Dillard. Well, you got to look at something that's costing you. And I don't think Dillard's contract is costing you yet. Whereas Derek Derek Barnett is a $10 million chunk of change that can be moved and can be opened up to bring in that bigger contract. But then again, of course, this relies 100% on Zach Ertz moving too, because that frees up enough money. And um, I think I had mentioned that Landon Dickerson, there was our top three rookie contracts are the ones that fit in the top 51 contracts that count against the salary cap. So we need to wait for Landon Dickerson signing too, because we're currently sitting at $1.669 million in space. But the Landon Dickerson deal will boot someone out of the bottom top 51, and he will likely put us very close to flat with no money available. So, like I said, again, how he's got to start figuring out, like, this Zachary situation, 100% has to be figured out. That is $8 million. That is a massive $8 million. And he seems to be convinced that if he keeps them, Ertz will play. And I'm not convinced of that. It sounds like if Ertz was willing to do that, Ertz would be showing up to OTAs. But I think it's pretty clear that that's not happening. Well, I don't know, because I think if they keep him, he's going to play because this is the last year of his contract. If he's going to want to get another contract from somewhere next year, he's going to have to play. And I think he'll show up for – if he's still on the roster, he'll show up for training camp, obviously. OTAs are voluntary. You didn't really have to show up. So, like, I'm not surprised. Um, So – if he's going to be on the roster, I actually think he will play um, because he's going to want to get that contract. But you said we're at, what, $1.6 million? One point, Yeah, $1.6. Oh, I guess over the cap is wrong because they have us at $6.47 million right now. Well, yeah, SpotTrack has it at $1.6, but over the cap has it at $6.6 million 6. or whatever. And I think it's yeah. because they haven't factored in the rookie contracts. Okay. I want to say something like that, but... Uh, yeah, it's tough to say, like, where, like, as of right now, there's just not much money to yeah, so, so when it comes to this Julio Jones conversation, if you want to maximize Jalen Hurts and you want to find out if Jalen Hurts is your, your future, is your franchise quarterback, 
Get him every weapon imaginable that you can you can get. Devontae Smith, Julio Jones, Dallas Goddard, Jalen Rager, Miles Sanders, um, you know, Carrion Johnson and Kenneth Gainwell and all these guys. Like, you get him every weapon and be like, if you can't do anything with this, we know you're not the quarterback of the future. So, like, if you have the opportunity, if you're able to make it work, you do you make the move. I don't think it's going to happen. I, you know, A, I don't think the Falcons are going to want to trade him in the NFC. B, I don't think the Falcons are going to trade him to their opponent week one who's coming to Atlanta week one. Could you imagine that? The, that they trade Julio Jones to the Eagles and week one, Julio's torching their their secondary with the Eagles. The, their new the Mercedes, what is it, the Mercedes-Benz Dome, whatever, stadium, mm. it would implode. Like, it would be horrible for Atlanta. And and they're going to trade him to an AFC team. Whether it's the Chiefs, which by, by God forbid if they're able to make that happen. Like the Chiefs probably will be back in the Super Bowl for the third straight year. Um, I don't know who I, if they were going to keep them in the NFC. Maybe the maybe the Niners, but the Titans are also another team. So like the Eagles aren't even top five on, on the list of, of teams in which you know Julio Jones is probably going to get traded to. But obviously, as a lot of insiders have put, you know, a lot of experts, quote unquote, have said, you can never rule Howie Roseman out. He, he wants to make a move. He wants to make a big deal. This could be it. Um, but- I think I think what hurts on that at front, though, is like last night the Julio Jones story came out that he wants a quarterback with a big arm and a new contract, and he wants a contender. And right now the Eagles don't have the money to offer a new contract and have a lot more to figure out before they can say that. We don't. I'm not 100% sold Jalen Hurts has the big arm he's looking for. Jalen Hurts has a good Jalen Hurts has a good arm, but I don't know about the big arm he's looking for. And we are not a content we are a contender to win the NFC East. Yeah. But we are not a contender to make it anything more beyond that. But but let's say if you add Steven Nelson and if you add Julio Jones, that could change things. Like that that they could make you Obviously, you'd be probably one of the, you'd be the better, the best team in the division, probably. And once you make the playoffs, I mean, I, anything I, I, can I, happen. I know yeah. the dream. I know the dream. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, if if you're able to, if, like, and what in a new contract lower Julio Jones cap hit in theory, at least for it, a couple of years. Theor- theoretically, yeah, you just you would take his cap number of twenty million dollars or whatever, restructure it and kick it down the road. So maybe turn it into like I I wouldn't go so far as a league minimum because then you're freeing up eighteen yeah. and a half million dollars. But where's it gonna go down the line? Because he is thirty two going on thirty three. So yeah, theoretically, yeah, if you can cut that in half and move ten million dollars down the line or whatever, give him an extra year, some extra guaranteed money, some incentives. Theoretically, it works. It definitely can. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about Jalen Rager. Um, a lot of reports that during the OTAs he was working in the slot, and that might be, be- and we, we talk about it. That might be best for him. And I think having Devontae Smith is going to take a lot off of um, Rager's plate. Like being that first round pick last year, that nobody really thought he was going to be the guy. Mentally, a lot of p- guy, a lot of people can't handle that. I think Devontae Smith is one that can handle it. Rager wasn't able to handle it. You know, what is this move to the slot going to do? And who's going to be the other outside starter? Is it going to be Fulham? Um, Ward, I, I mean, Ward's a slot receiver also. So it, who is going to be that other outside receiver with Devontae Smith and Rager in the slot? 
I think at this point you have to go Travis Fulgham and it's a it honestly is kind of a shame that you have to say that because he he came in had those few good games and then kind of disappeared off the face of the earth but behind that you have Quez Watkins you got John Hightower you got maybe Trevor Grant Trevon Grimes if you think that he's going to be come anything JJ Ortega Whiteside I cannot imagine makes a roster at the end of all this better not I think I'd rather Trevon Grimes than JJ Ortega Whiteside I think that experiment is can just be put to rest now but Mm -hmm. like we don't have a good wide receiving core it's it's Devontae Smith it's Jalen Rager Greg Ward was one of our best receivers last year. Yeah, the um, Eagles receiving corps was ranked. The Eagles receiving, not the, sorry to interrupt you, Connor. Yeah, the, go ahead. The Eagles receiver corps was ranked, I think, bottom five in the league. And you you say exactly. It, it's just terrible. Like I think you'd have to flex between people. You know, Regger's going to be your slaka. You know, Smith's going to be your other your outside Z, X or Z or movable Z piece. But then you need to have that X, that bigger receiver that you can throw that jump ball up to. And I think you got to go Travis Fulgham or whatever you keep of J.J. Ortega, Whiteside, or Trayvon Grimes. And then depending on what type of package or sub-package you're playing with, Quez Watkins and John Hightower can fit. Because we can't rule out Quez Watkins. Like, he looked good with Jalen Hurts. He looked terrible leading up to Jalen Hurts coming in. But once Jalen Hurts came in, he started to show up and he started to really show why. Well, I mean, he was a six round pick. So but, you know, he's began to show why he was, you know, still drafted and being given an opportunity in Philadelphia, despite what happened before with with Carson Wentz and being literally a null weapon at all. But. I mean, I still think that there's an opportunity there that you just flex and move between Fulgham, Watkins, Hightower, and Grimes, depending on the package. Or the Zach Ertz deal could include a wide receiver of some sort. Like, I'm still not ruling out that the Ertz deal happens and there's either a cornerback or there's a wide receiver or the money that's freed up turns into a cornerback or a wide receiver. And we're having a whole different discussion down the road. If... If you're able to make the money work, would you trade? Here's a, here's a, and I, I don't remember if we've talked about this, but would you trade Ertz to Arizona for Jordan Hicks? We haven't talked about, we haven't talked about it. Um, if you could make the money work, I think I'd absolutely do it. It sucks that we let Jordan Hicks walk those few <laughs> years ago because yeah. he was the athletic linebacker. Not amazing in coverage, but way better in coverage than any linebacker we've had in the last couple of years. Um, I would probably do it, though. I would definitely do that. Like, Arizona if, if there has to be end. some swap of late round picks or some something of the sort, like, go ahead and make it work. They do need a tight end. I agree. I mean, they, they, they're not known to target the tight end. But, I mean, if you have Zach Ertz, then you know you have to feed him some targets. You know he suddenly becomes a weapon. And then that Rondale Moore pick looks a lot better too because then you're open enough some manufacturable targets because Zach Ertz is going to suck a lot of the 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 coverage in in the in the uh nickel area in the slot area that can open Rondale more up to create and stuff so yeah I think a tight end helps Arizona more than than people think it would help just because they don't target a tight end doesn't mean if they get a tight end that has some dollars invested into him that they wouldn't use him um i would be all over that deal i i mean the linebacking group we have is starting to clean itself up yeah. um 
it's still not great. Eric Wilson's, you know, nice. Patrick Johnson, you know, he's nice. Jacoby Stevens is extremely undersized to be a linebacker, but could work out. Jannard Avery, maybe. TJ Edwards and Alex Singleton, you know, they're, they're, they're the stalwarts. They're going to be there. They're going to be the guys that play week in and week out, 60, 70% of the snaps at the position. But we still need a coverage linebacker, and Jordan Hicks provides a far better coverage linebacker than any of the ones we're rostering presently because a lot of them are just raw guys like Davian Taylor, Sean Bradley, Patrick Johnson. They're all still raw. They're just mm-hmm. really athletic, but they're still raw and still need work. So I would, I definitely would consider doing that deal. At the end of the day, Zacherts is not an eagle in 2022. We know that. Oh, yeah. So why? why no, why, why possibility. Why just keep pushing the inevitable down the road? Try and get something you can work with now. Try and get something you can work around now. Like, we have a ton of free agents again next season. And obviously, yeah. some are going to have to be left to walk. Some we're going to be able to bring back. But you know that you're, put, you're going to invest in Dallas Goddard. And you know that Zach Ertz, it, it's done. It's over. So I know how much people want to say, well, if he stays, he plays, you know, whatever. And it's still Zach Ertz. That's not the point. My point is we need to free up the cap space and get some pieces to figure out what we can use moving forward, not continue to sit there and say, well, the NFC East is wide open this year. The NFC East is wide open with or without Zach Ertz. Ertz is not the thing that makes us a difference. The the division will be better this year, I think. I don't don't foresee a a 6-7 win team winning it, but we'll we'll see. Um, So – Looking I pray at, not a six or seven win team. Then you're looking at six and eleven or seven ten sneaking know, in, and that is that's ugly. So bad. Um, so looking at our our roster, besides Steven Nelson, who we've talked about, are there is there anybody available or a position of need that you think the Eagles should bring in, whether it's you know to to compete in camp, to compete in training camp? Um, obviously, we know like the linebackers are weak. We know the corners. We talked about Steven Nelson. Um, I think they they're good along the offensive line for now. They got depth. Do they do they need another receiver? Do they need another running back? Where do you think um, the Eagles should look to if they can afford it? Look to bring in any available free agents. I mean, when you look at the free agent wide receivers, it, the landscape's pretty gross at this point. But I mean, that's not to say there isn't some names that intrigue me, like D.D. Westbrook's still out there as a free agent, and he's 28. You never know what you could get out of him. Um, I, I, but otherwise, I think the biggest name that sticks out to me beyond Steven Nelson is K.J. Wright. The fact that he's still linebacker. a free agent yep. at, at linebacker and like, I don't think he's going to get the money he wants, but I mean, there's still some it. settling of the post June 1st stuff, but KJ Wright is actually really underrated in coverage. He's a really good coverage linebacker who, even if we only have him for a year or two, it's about, you know, bringing in like Eric Wilson's a good presence, but it's about bringing in some more presence, kind of like the Ryan Kerrigan move, because you have mm-hmm. so much youth. You have so much that you can build off of with the pieces you're bringing in. Like I said, Davian Taylor, Sean Bradley, Patrick Johnson, they're all so young. They're all so raw. Even TJ Edwards and Alex Singleton, they're still so young. They're still so raw at the position, even though they have become entrenched as our starters that KJ Wright would just be huge for that room. And what he can do as a veteran presence is huge for that room, I think. Um, and depending where the bidding wars are at and stuff, I, I would go after him. Him and Steven Nelson would be massive gifts for this defense, I, even if it's just for one season. Yeah, I agree. And, and you're talking about all the young talent that we have or the young guys we have at linebacker. Being able to learn from somebody like KJ Wright, 
who learned from Bobby Wagner. I, I mean, like having that veteran ex- presence in the in in the room, in the locker room, it can only help young guys like that. So I mean, I, I think KJ Wright would be a great guy to get. Obviously, financials have to work out and and whatnot. But if you're able to add him to this linebacker corpse, and you can start KJ Wright, Eric Wilson, and then Al, either Alex Singleton or TJ Edwards, like that linebacker group right there is way better than what we've had the last four or five years. Exactly, and, and for me, it's about. It's about seeing what you got and building the youth that you have, May, helping them grow, helping them become better because they're going to be the ones that are stepping in and taking over for the Derek Barnett's that are on their way out, taking over for the Jannard Avery's who might be on the way out, the Eric Wilson who might not come back the next season, the um, Anthony Harris who might not be the ne- back the next season, take over for the Rodney McLeod, the Darius Slay. There's so many names that are heading towards the wrong side of 30 that a lot of this youth, a lot of these pieces that are being drafted, we need to start to see what we have. We need to develop them. And the best way to develop them is a young defensive coordinator like John Gannon, who's going to bring a whole bunch of different sub packages and a unique style to the defense that we haven't seen in the last four or five years, because we've been stuck in the old square peg in a circle hole um, mentality of Jim Schwartz. And, and we don't like, we just need to know what we got. We need to build on these guys. We need to help them grow and become the starters that we want them to become. It's all good and well that Kevon Wallace was a sleeper and a great pick, but now we have to develop him. It's all good and well that people praise Milton Williams and think the pick is amazing, but now what can we do with him? Like these picks need to turn into something and the past few years we've watched them not turn into anything but turn into things somewhere else like Sidney Jones, Rasul Douglas, even Jordan Hicks. We knew he was something and he went off and continued to develop into a good linebacker, a solid linebacker, a linebacker that we could have used in the middle of our defense. The only issue with Hicks here was he just couldn't stay healthy. He's mm-hmm. finally been a, he's finally been able to stay healthy. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm happy for him because he was he was definitely good. Uh, there was another report I actually want to talk about real quick before we move before we finish up. The report that the Eagles wanted to bring back Nick Foles and Nick Foles said no. <laughs> Are you surprised? And I'm going to give my answer first. I'm not. His legacy can only go down because you you're, you're he's never going to have to buy another thing in this town. He's a Super Bowl hero. Only thing that could happen is his legacy gets deteriorated if he were to come back. What do you think? Yeah, like I think I do actually believe the report that that he said no because he didn't want to move his family around anymore too because he's moved from Philly to Jacksonville to Philly to Chicago. And the, this idea to move your family, uproot your family, move your family again, I'm almost at the point where I think Nick Foles would rather, if he's not going to make the cut in Chicago, he's just going to retire. He's just going to be done. Yeah, I can see that. Because uh, I don't I think he that. wants. I don't think he wants to move around. He's got some money tied up in him. He's got guarantees that he's going to walk away from the game and he can take them with him and say, "I've had my career." I don't think this has anything to do with the legacy. I mean, probably it's sitting there in the back of his mind, like 
damn, there's a statue of me out there and Peterson's not there and Peterson was what made me me and being with Carson Wentz and stuff like now that that's not there. Yeah, maybe that sits in the back of his mind, but I do think he's a family man first and foremost. And he's like, I just don't want to move my family anymore. And that's what was built into that report as well as the fact that he didn't want to move his family and uproot his family again. And it's not like little moves. He's not moving, you know, Philly to Baltimore to Washington to New York, you know, sticking in that same area. These are some deep, pretty solid moves across the country and plane rides and stuff to move the family. Um, so I think Nick Foles, it's either you you play me and you sit me on the bench. I can be your veteran presence and you just kill you just kill the remaining dead money and let me play out that dead money or I'm retiring and I'll take that dead money and I'm done with football. Yeah, and the bear, the Bears got some money racked up into that quarterback room with him, Andy Dalton, and then dra- tra- uh, drafting Justin Field number one and having to move up and trade a first round pick. Like, it, I don't know what the heck the Bears are doing on honestly. And obviously, um, Nagy and Pace are trying to save their jobs, but that's a that's a discussion for Chicago radio. All right, so the last thing I wanted to touch base on, Nick Sirianni. He has really started I'm, – he's starting to win me over. I'm not going to lie. You know, when he, when he got hired, obviously we were like, who? What? Like, why this guy? His first press conference wasn't all that impressive. But every <laughs> time he talks, you could hear the competitive nature that he, he's, he's putting forth for his team. You know, the, the, one of the last press conferences he, said, he, he had, he said he was late because he, he was in a three-point shooting contest with Greg Ward. Um, whether it's rock, paper, scissors, um, you know, there was video of Travis Fulgham and Devontae Smith having a competition with the, fo- the, the football on a rope thing and throwing it and catching it. And like he is preaching competition and he's not just saying it to say it. It's a it's a legit thing that's happening every day in that locker room on the practice fields. And this guy, Nick Sirianni is really winning me over I, every time he talks like. You can you hear how much he loves the game of football, and when you watch video of him interacting with his players, they seem to to get out of it what you know he's putting in. And a lot of guys they, they just say it and then they don't do it. He's he's preaching what he is saying, and I and and I love it. And I don't know if Nick Sirianni is going to be a great head coach. I don't know if he can coach, like be a head coach, but. He's winning me over with all the things that he's been doing in this first couple months as head coach. Yeah, and I, I called that podcast Eagles Undisputed. It, it was Eagles Unfiltered, so my apologies for that. And when they had Brian Baldinger on, he spoke about Nick Sirianni and the story behind it. He said that when Nick Sirianni left the room, the Eagles knew they had their next coach. They knew they had their next coach, but he talked about the exhaustive search that took place to find this next coach. He talked about how Nick Sirianni, they called Nick Sirianni, he said he was on vacation in Florida with his family. He had no suit, he had no tie. And I guess yep. the story the story goes that that uh, that um, Jeffrey Laurie said, that's fine, we can all show up together and have flip-flops and shorts together. And we'll have an yep. interview. And he left that room. And I, by the sounds of it, he was... He was the coach. He was the head coach from when he left. And listen, they did, um, I think Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast did a, or, and it's a stream as well. They did a show with him and he was breaking down plays. His 
his he's just so infectious the way that he talks to, about football the way he like he gets so hyped up he gets so excited he's jumping out of his seat he's like look at this look at that he's all over he sees things you don't even see he's like look at the way they lined up here 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 circling everything talking it down he's a genius young offensive mind and i'm one of those guys who's patient give it a year let's not write him off because of a press conference let's not write him off because of the name that he doesn't have he's got some really good coaches around him as well John Gannon is being praised and I can almost guarantee within three years John Gannon's going to be off to be a head coach somewhere because he is a genius defensive mind and praised by people who know this game way better than all of us do and there's some people praising Nick Sirianni just as much for his offensive mind and the people that he put around himself to help himself succeed so I don't think this is a matter of is Nick Sirianni a coach Nick Sirianni has the personality to get everyone to buy in and he's got the staff around him to make everybody better and to create a winning team, in my opinion. So sometimes it's not necessarily about can you be the coach or can you build the culture and then have the people around you that help make everybody better. And that's what I see uh, going on with um, they have what Steichen, they have Gannon, um, they got mm-hmm. Jeff Stellan back, they got the uh, quarterbacks coach that came from Florida. He's Brian got Johnson. Exactly. He's got all the pieces he needs. He's just got to have the enthusiasm, the energy to get everybody to buy into the culture and to buy into what he's selling. And then these coaches are all going to make everyone better. You said, I think you, you, you said it best. He has that infectious attitude. Does he remind you of any, like any coaches like currently or former, like, does he remind you of anybody? I'm going to give you a name and I don't know if he's going to be, if his offense is going to be like him and, he can um, you know, remember and relay plays. He reminds me of Sean McVay a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's a, It's definitely a good one. Like the, that infectious, like, look at this. Look at the knowledge. What's in his yep. head? Like he can look at a, he can look at the way that a defense and an offense line up. And he's like, look at this, 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 this. They're going to do this. This is going to do this. This is going to do that. And the play goes exactly as he sees it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. As he sees it. And he's like, I sh- now looking back on this play, I probably should have done this. And he draws out what he would have done. Um, it's just, it's infectious to watch. It's so fun to watch. I'm like, wow. Honestly, I can't wait for camp and, and preseason games just to see what the offense is going to look like. Like, we have no idea. I mean, there's been players talk. Miles Sanders is going to have a big role. Um, there's a lot of screens. A lot of, like, and we know Devontae Smith is great at slant, like, running the slant, catching and running. Like, we know what the players are really good at. We just haven't seen what has been put out, like, at, on the playbook. And we're not going to know, obviously, until really week one, September 12th against Atlanta. But I'm very intrigued to see, you know, the first preseason game, you know, what Sirianni's opening 15 are going to look like. I'm and I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be different because we're so used to Doug Peterson's predictability. Like we all knew what Doug Peterson was going to run for the most part. Um, but I think we're going to the unpredictability, the newness, the freshness, into and you know just difference, the different type of plays we're going to see is something we haven't probably haven't seen maybe since Chip days um, mm. when you know. Everybody thought Chip was going to come in, and I won't lie, I was one of them. 
Chip was going to come in and reinvent the wheel and whatnot. And obviously that lasted all of a season. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much lasted all of one season. He did reinvent the wheel in a way. But now it's the same thing that everybody's doing, and his his yeah. offense just kind of died on the spot sure. because it forced the defense to be on the field for three quarters of a game, and his offense was only on for a quarter of the game. Exactly, he, and he he didn't make adjustments. A lot of offenses are taking what Chip did. So like Chip did something, like he 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 did something new. A lot of and a lot of offenses are taking bits and pieces of what he did when he first came into the NFL. It just he wasn't able to adjust and change his ways he wanted to keep going pedal to the metal 100 miles an hour every time and when your offense goes three and out and has the ball for 15 seconds that helps nobody especially the defense no i i agree i mean i'm excited for the if, if i'm to say one final thing about all this i'm excited yeah. for this year i'm excited for the next couple seasons but i think we have to be realistic and we are so good at bashing new hires <laughs> and bashing the situation. And then halfway through the offseason, seeing OTAs, hearing the news, hearing the rumors and being like, oh, my God, we're winning the NFC East. <laughs> it all too often goes that way. And I think realistically, if you set your goal at eight and nine or nine and eight with a potential shot at the NFC East, you'll be pretty happy with the team. You'll be pretty happy with the outcome of the season. And you'll see a lot more positives for year two and year three under Nick Sirianni. But if you come in thinking we're going to be the same as last year or we're going to be leaps and bounds better than last year, like 10 and 7, 11 and 6, you're definitely going to remain very disappointed and you're not going to have any expectation but the worst or the best and something's just going to fail you. And The, the important word for us and Philadelphia is patience. We're, he's not going to make the playoffs year one, most likely. And he probably won't win a Super Bowl year, year two. Like, Chip made the playoffs year one. Doug won a Super Bowl year two. It's probably not going to happen. We have to be patient. We have to let it, you know, what does he have, a four or five-year contract probably? I don't know if we've yeah. ever heard the terms of it. Yeah, but I don't four think or five so year, either. Four or five-year contract, most likely. Like, we have to let this play out. And that also means – Jeffrey Lurie has to be patient. Um, I don't think he needs to be any more patient with Howie Roseman. Like that, that, that probably needs to something needs to happen there. If, He's if got he, the pieces. He's got. If Jalen Hurts can prove the guy, yeah. then you oh. can take. Then those three first rounders, he starts to look like a genius. If Jalen oh, Hurts yeah. does not prove the guy, and then we're like, okay, I'm going to move two or three of these firsts or three of these firsts and this guy and that guy for Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson, then we're going to have a whole different discussion uh-huh. next season or at the end of next season. And don't get me wrong, that discussion will be fun to have because you think about the skill sets of those two guys. Oh, but let's man. remember, this is three First rounders, multiple franchise alter and first rounders, just as much as that's a franchise alter and quarterback. So very different discussion, but hopefully we don't have to have that discussion because I want Jalen Hurts to be the guy. I want him to work out. There's a lot of people. If you listen to that podcast uh, with Ed Cracks and Brian Baldinger, Brian Baldinger talks about how much he loved Jalen Hurts coming out. And he actually said pre-draft, he said the Eagles should invest that pick if Jalen Hurts makes it to 53 which is amazing to think that someone actually said that you should invest that pick there. Um, but really interesting podcast, mostly for the fact that Brian Baldinger is a genius, an absolute genius. Oh, I love and listening he to is Brian so Baldinger. fun to listen to. He really is. And actually coming into that draft, I said that Jalen, and you could ask Shane this, I, I said that Jalen Hurts was going to be the best quarterback in the draft coming out. 
And then he got drafted by the Eagles, and I was like, oh, man, here we go. <laughs> I just didn't think that he was going to be the starter as quickly as he, he became the starter. But it's definitely going to be fun. This year is it, it's a transition year, but we need to find out. The, the, the important thing is, is Jalen Hurts the guy? That's what the Eagles need to find out. Because with those two or three first-round picks you have next year, are you building around Jalen Hurts, or are you replacing Jalen Hurts? That is the question that needs to get answered in this 17-game season coming up. And I think that's it. That is the true question that needs to be answered. And if you answer that question, we'll be able to figure out what to do beyond that. Absolutely. Eventually, we have to settle on a quarterback. Yep. As much as Philly loves to look at the next shiny toy, and I'm sure by this time next year, we'll, people will be like, Jamie Newman should be the new starting quarterback, which is, crazy that, which is crazy that he went as a UDFA, and I love it because I think the same offense can be built around Hurts as Jamie Newman, mm-hmm. but Jamie Newman is a backup. He should mm-hmm. be a backup, and he should kick Flacco to the third <laughs> string quarterback or just as a veteran presence in that room. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I would I, make I Newman the backup this year, I, I, but definitely – in 2022 and going forward if if Hertz proves to be the guy Newman definitely should be the backup but yeah you're right do you know or do, are they going to go and draft the Sam Howell next year who, who's probably the, or, or Spencer Rattler that they're, they're going to be the big quarterback names mm-hmm. um next year let's hope we're not discussing that let's hope we have the quarterback of the future and Jalen Hurts and we're talking about a cornerback or we're talking about a defensive end or we're talking about a, 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 a I wouldn't say another receiver because That'd be three years in a row drafted a first round receiver, but you know what I mean. Going out there and getting playmakers that could help the team immediately. Definitely. I think we're in a better spot now that the financials are opening up, but obviously people need to be aware that the next two to three years, due to all these restructures, there's a lot of money in guys that will not end up living, following through on their entire contract with the Eagles because eventually they either have to retire or they have to be let go. There's a lot of money tied up in guys like Jason Kelsey, Fletcher Cox, and Brandon Graham. At least we're not eating $36 million on one guy. (laughs) Exactly. Which we are this year. (laughs) You'd probably be eating $36 million between three or four guys, which you can live with. (laughs) Not $36 on one guy. I love you, Carson Wentz, but still, (laughs) we have to eat that $36 million. (laughs) All right, Connor, it was was great getting back here and – being able to, to get this episode out, I think we got a, we, we accomplished a lot, I think. And, and it was a good discussion. And hopefully the Eagles bring in a Steven Nelson, maybe a K.J. Wright, improve this roster to give them better chances at winning the NFC East. As always, follow the Kelly Green Hour on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. <clears throat> Excuse me. Or, and you can follow Connor on Twitter at Connor10. That's Connor T-E-N. And follow me on Twitter at LJ Harrell 54 LJ Harrell 54 and please rate and review our show as always. And, you know, over the summer, throughout the course of the summer, we are going to get some um, guests on. Probably um, Edwin, get him on. He's always a, somebody good to have on. Um, mm-hmm. And he'll be going to the Eagles-Denver game. So I think that week, when we get to, when we get to, to the season, we should definitely have him on uh, for that. that. That'll be a good discussion. Um, but thank mm-hmm. you for listening to the Kelly Green Hour. For Connor, I'm LJ. Have a great week, everybody.